0: 3, 2, 1. Welcome to the David the Dog Trainer podcast, episode one hundred and forty. And we're back at it after a couple of weeks.
1: Hey, hey. <laughs> but you I'm, would never know.
0: I'm a, I'm a couple days, couple days in, back from uh, being off for two weeks. Yeah, a nice, well enjoyed two two week vacation.
1: Yeah, you are living it up, MTV style for a minute. MTV cribs, <laughs>
0: chilling in Mexico. Yeah, uh, but we're back. Mm-hmm. It's been a busy couple of days yeah i can only imagine so i usually when i go out of town i try to work a little bit every morning i usually block out like an hour Mm -hmm. or so to just do some emails phone (laughs) calls stuff like that right yeah um I intentionally tried to see, I was like, if I don't do anything for two weeks, like, what's going to happen, right? (laughs) Like, you know, are we not going to make any sales? Is there going to be any issues we run into, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, So I intentionally, I think I made maybe two phone calls the entire trip. Like, I don't think, I think Kayla maybe texted me one time while I was out of town. Like, Mm just kind of smooth sailing. It was it was Ooh. good to go. I took all the all the emails and stuff that were like you know I, I I obviously scrolled through them. I was like, is there anything dire that needs to be hit right now? Yeah, it wasn't really any major issues. Forwarded <clears throat> whatever I needed to to her. <clears throat> uh, got it done. I mean, it's just like uh, I feel like I've said this before, but the team just fucking crushes it, man. Yeah, that's it. That's cool. That was a good test. Then you know. Yeah, I mean, it, it used to. It was like <clears throat> funny. Kate was joking. I don't know, maybe a month or two ago, whenever one of our last trips was, she's like, man, like, I remember before, like, every time we'd go out of town, like, something would, like, explode. <laughs> you know? And maybe some of our, like, major issue. Yeah. And I could go back as far as, like, I remember, like, one of the first vacations I took, like, as a business owner mm-hmm. was, like, in, like, twenty, I think 2016 or something. Probably not the first one. So, well, 2016. Yeah, right around there. 2016, mm-hmm. 2017 area. One of the first big vacations I took, I went to Italy for for a week mm-hmm. and this would this would have been before you because this is when we had the og staff like taylor anna tim yeah <laughs> like you three know, people, yeah, like this girl sophie we had at the time like it was like that was the crew yeah you know and um <laughs> i remember literally every fight i distinctly remember i was in the the whatever the catacombs or whatever like the tombs mm-hmm. of italy <laughs> right like oh, on my phone like sending texts like trying to keep things from like totally melting down while i was oh, gone there was like just such a such a like a power struggle amongst <laughs> all of the employees <laughs> like for that entire week yeah. and i'm just like on the phone uh, with this person and on the phone with this person then on the phone with this person the entire fucking trip <laughs> it was <Jesus>. insane
1: <laughs> yeah i mean dude even when since we started this podcast like yeah you know that the first like few months before you got like everyone situated where they're at now, yeah. you would get text. Sometimes you'd have to be like, "Got I got to pause. I got to take this call." Shit, real that's quick. right. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And now uh-huh. it's yeah. I mean, it's been years since ever that has ever happened. So it's it's cool to see the uh, the pieces that have been put in place have worked yeah. out.
0: You know, and it's just like multifaceted, right? It's it's obviously one the changes we've made as a company us to run into fewer issues. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's yeah. less. Things that need to be taken care of, yeah. and two, just like continuing to like relinquish responsibilities to people and entrust that certain people like have the knowledge and skill to be able mm-hmm. to handle problems. Yeah, like things can happen, and and I just don't even. It doesn't need to to come through me. You yeah, know? which is cool. Yeah, for sure. Speaking of, that's
1: a pretty OG hoodie right yeah, there, like isn't this, it? Yeah, this is yeah, that, this is. The I first, had one of those.
0: This is the first printing. Yeah. The very first printing of it back from 2019. Yeah. V1. Well, tight, but you know, it's <laughs> the job done. I think yeah. I had it in a size large for a little bit, also, and then I don't remember what happened. I think I, an employee needed one or something, yeah. so I gave it to them. But
1: so now you got the medium. I got on, the huh? I got the medium. Hey. Um, you fit in the medium. There it
0: is. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah. Um, yeah, so so nothing a whole lot new. Um, you know, basically I got back. Dude, I had the, the first day though, like I I went to the shop to pick up the dogs and then I sat at my kitchen table downstairs in front of my computer for 6 hours straight. I remember it was it was 6 hours on the dot yeah. because I remember checking the time and checking yeah. the time, checking the time and it was 6 hours it took me to go through. All phone calls, emails, miscellaneous things I needed to do, <laughs> stuff like that, yeah. right? It was good, nice and productive, got back on track, and then had a couple really good days of lessons, a couple really cool things in the works as far as just fine-tuning things still, right? Our board and train program, we're really putting a lot of attention into right now. We recently moved um, Bridget. I don't want to say like back into a board and train role, but like she's doing less one-on-ones and she's working with the board and trains a little bit more now because Mm. we're working on like, okay, now that she's had the experience of being a board and train trainer, being a successful one-on-one trainer, Mm -hmm. right? I wanted her to go back in and just overall look at the board and train program, right? Kind of from the outside, like she's helping with it obviously, Mm -hmm. but from the outside in like look at it and find holes, yeah right like find things we can do better okay in it um so she's going in we had an awesome meeting yesterday where she just had like a whole freaking page on a big notebook just like this 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 got this idea got this idea so we're really really end of this year putting a lot of attention into that to make some new rollouts come next year as far as uh, how we're going to be adjusting some of the things we're doing with the board and trains and just innovating yeah you know
1: that's awesome yeah, Bridget's a, a very good person to have for attention to detail, I feel like. So, yeah. that's that's a really good role for her. I, yeah. That's it's awesome.
0: Cool. It's 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 really great, you know, and and mm-hmm. obviously Michelle is just holding the fort down with the one-on-ones. You know, yeah. she's picked up more one-on-ones because we're kind of moving Bridget out of that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and is just crushing those. You yeah. know, obviously she has such a great relationship with her clients and she builds such solid bonds with those clients yeah. you know and, and it's it's really cool to see so just always working on working on improving things we had a great meeting yesterday with the media team as well um just kind of going over ways to to do media better mm-hmm. you know i think we've uh you know the vlog has been really cool um that we've been yeah. doing you know we're, we we've done God, <clears throat> how many vlogs have we done so far Oh, yeah. Let's I see. Think it, 158 I was vlogs. Say, it's getting close to us. Yeah. Right? So 158 vlogs. I mean, that's like 158 hours of content. Basically. <laughs> yeah. You know, which is which is pretty crazy. Um, and I absolutely have loved doing it. And a lot of the reason why we first started doing the vlog was to show more of the, the behind-the-scenes, raw, these-are-lessons, mm-hmm. whatever, you know? Yeah. The... Um, I don't want to say the issue, right, because I, I really like it, and I think a lot of our, our, our fans and, and clients and stuff like that really enjoy the vlog. But the problem is, because we're filming all these lessons and day-to-day things and stuff, the content we're pulling from the vlog to put online mm-hmm. is really good, but it's, it's really hard to get actual training content, Mm. out of the vlog because a large large majority of it winds up being the communications with the clients yeah which are so important because like if you're a client that's gone through our program which you know the vlog the, the clips we pull from the vlog are really catered to those people mm. um, a lot of times the things you're going to want to see are going to be the things that are going to help answer the questions you might have at yeah. home post training yeah and there's a very high probability that those questions that you have have been asked. 20 times before in lessons. So mm-hmm. every time we pull one of those questions and post it, it helps provide some insight into those types of things yeah. directly from the horse's mouth, right? It's mm-hmm. not, I'm sitting on this podcast like trying to think up questions that you asked. Mm-hmm. It's we're having a conversation with the person that's experiencing those problems. Right? Yeah. So I absolutely love that and I think the vlog has provided so much great opportunity to capture that kind of stuff, right?
1: Uh,
0: 100%. Um, but... You know, from the standpoint of like, you know, just showcasing the work that we do, it's much more difficult to get the complete picture of the training of the dog, mm-hmm. right? You just yeah. can't get that in a one-hour one-on-one session, right? Yeah. Uh, or a, a just a single session from a board and train that we film or something like that. Like mm-hmm. those things are going to be very, very boring. You're not going to get the whole picture, yeah. right? So we're kind of trying to go back a little bit to. Like what you and I used to do, right? Like yeah. With fucking uh, uh, um, not O to Otto, or was was his name Otto? Why am I blanking? The little brindle pit dog that was from Real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Motherfucker. I can't remember the name. I just think he was like the best example of that, yeah. right? Or like Ian, you know. Yeah. Remember we filmed all that shit with fucking Ian, yeah. Or the the German Shepherd Murphy, yeah, yeah Murphy, right? Like dogs like that, Mochi mochi yeah where we got the there's the whole picture yeah you know start to fucking finish we highlighted every aspect of those dogs training yeah and we were able to make videos that really catered around that and i think people really enjoyed watching those to see mm-hmm. the training right yeah. obviously i want to have they, they want to have you know the clients that have already done the training with us like they don't need to see it because they've seen it firsthand right they've yeah. seen the training start to finish with their own dog yeah yeah right? Um, but, uh, on the flip side, like I said, the clients that are interested in training, they're going to want to see the whole transformations more. Mm -hmm. We need to do a better job of capturing that, I think. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Some of those are still our most popular videos on YouTube, you know? So that's what we're going to do is we're going to, uh, you know, come January, we should have a meeting to, to figure out a plan to, we still want to do the vlog. We don't want to ditch that because a lot of people like the vlog, obviously, mm-hmm. but we're going to do less vlogs. So instead of, I think right now we're rolling out like two a week, three a week, sometimes we'll get back to like maybe one a week, right? Where we mm-hmm. get a little bit more of like, all right, you know, here's some stuff and pull some content for that, mm-hmm. but we're going to start getting back to um, having a dog that we follow through the whole program yeah you know um and create content and videos out of that as well and i've got two dogs coming in right after thanksgiving that are going to be our first two you guys are going to be able to truly follow along on they're two um pot cake dogs oh from okay. turks and keiko yep we got a client that works very very closely with a uh with a potcake rescue, which are like the island dogs, like the Caribbean mm-hmm. island dogs. Island boys. Island boys. <laughs> um, and uh, he's bringing two of those dogs from that rescue up for us to work with, and I'm going to use them to highlight it. And I think it's going to be a great two dogs to highlight as well, because those two dogs are going to be actively looking for homes as well, you know? So okay. we'll be able to, in addition to making good content out of them. Uh, and the potcakes can be pretty weird quirky little dogs Mm -hmm. we've worked with a lot of them before these clients have sent many many of them our way Mm -hmm. and they're just they're just kind of funky you know like they're very apprehensive of new people (laughs) they kind of act really quirky and stuff they're pretty big dogs generally Mm -hmm. they look like little aliens sometimes like they're just weird dogs
1: yeah what what was the one that we worked with (laughs) way back when what was Uh, his name oh yeah yeah yeah
0: that's this 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 guy's dog
1: um i can't remember his name
0: God, I'm blank. There's just too many dogs at this point. Yeah. hold on, I'll give it to you in half a second. I think he was
1: pork chop. Pork chop, yeah, he was in the first pictures. I think we did with like Taylor and all. Pork them.
0: chop was an island boy. He was. He still is actually. <laughs>
1: um but he, he was great he had like but he that. was very quirky yeah right? very so quirky
0: usually have some like fear aggression issues anxiety issues stuff mm-hmm. like that so those two are going to be the two dogs that we follow and we're going to really try to make as much freaking content as possible with them i want to show people now we, we showed the behind the scenes of like what lessons look like right what day-to-day stuff at the board and trains look like stuff like that i want to show people really what does the training look like yeah you know that's 100%. the next thing i want to highlight So it's been cool. You know, I I love this. I I say it every time when I get back from a trip, you know, the first week back home, I'm just, you know, you get like reignited after like stepping away for a week, looking at things, thinking about things Mm -hmm. and coming back in and then it's time to start taking fucking action on stuff. Yep. 100%. That's what we got rolling right now. Let's go. There's all the secrets of all the changes we're making. (laughs) The secrets. You got all the
1: secrets. Yeah, it's good to, it's good to refresh and adapt, you know, keep everything. And I think that's, I mean what you've been doing anyway with the podcast and, and the vlog and you know yeah. and, and, and having all these different avenues and, and uh just not really adding one but just going back to one that we you haven't touched on in a while. It makes sense. It's true. It's good to to keep everything refreshed. Truth, truth, truth.
0: <laughs> um, so that's what we got going on. Yeah. Um so what I want to start off here with is we're going to talk about a video that we just posted the other day Okay. Um, that has been... Actually, I want to talk about two videos. We're going to talk about two videos. Okay. What you doing? You got to set that camera again? Yeah.
1: yeah we, we rambled
0: for a while. We did ramble for a while. Nice 18-minute ramble. Shoot. Yeah. 14 uh, minutes, 14 actually. 14.
1: 14. 14-minute 14 ramble.
0: Okay, so we got two videos that have been rolling around making their rounds on on the old instagram okay. and kind of doing pretty well here um and i just want to kind of break them down a little bit more and talk about you know like these particular videos have a fuckload load of comments on them at this point um and i think they might be cool to discuss so let me pull up the first one here okay so this is we're talking about like we're talking about like behavioral modification here right forget mm-hmm. the training forget obedience and stuff like that behavioral modification is interesting right because it's all about understanding some of the whys behind your dog's behavior mm-hmm. and really really getting into this individual case mm-hmm. what does it need in order to be successful why is the dog rehearsing the behaviors that they're rehearsing okay. and you know what sorts of things can we do to help those dogs feel more comfortable and get past these issues right mm-hmm. and it kind of it's it's interesting because I, we get comments all the time online and I, I listen, I, I love the comments we get from people, but sometimes we get comments that are just, you almost like, <laughs> they're just so. Here, I'll, I'll give, you, give you an example, right? This person commented on one of our videos on TikTok yesterday, and they just said, How do I handle a sexist, aggressive dog? <laughs> sexist. And and listen, like I'm not like whatever, you know, like I I understand it's like, okay, well, like if you have a dog like that, like a logical thing would be like, all right, what do I do? Yeah. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But but the issue is, right, like, and I kind of gave maybe a little snarky of a comment back to it, right? I just said, I said, hire someone for training that can actually assess your situation, what you've tried and diagnose an actual game plan for you, right? Because like we get into this trap with social media sometimes in all these videos we put out where like people see these dogs that we post these pictures of or these videos of that have overcome certain problems. And they're like, how did you do that? How yeah. did you do that? Right? Like I need to know, like I'm experiencing that same issue, stuff like that. But it's like, do you really think in a, in a freaking TikTok comment, we're going to give you, I can only type, I think like what, oh, 70 characters or something like that yeah. in the TikTok comment to begin with, right? <laughs> like like, do you really think I'm going to give you any sort of information that you could actually use to solve your problem in that? Probably not. Yeah. Probably not, right? So it's, it's the, the, the answer that most trainers, I feel like, want to put in reply to every type of comment of how do I handle this, how do I handle that, how do I handle this, how do I handle that is, well, this client hired us to handle that. Mm-hmm. So hire us, and then we'll be able to get all the information on your case, right? Yeah. But I get back to this because these two videos I want to talk about that we posted, both of them are videos that apply to, um, I'm getting a call from Mr. Cooper Loans. Okay. No, thank you. <laughs> um, you know, all of these situations are 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 directly applicable to this one dog Mm. right and this one dog's needs and though there are similarities from dog to dog and there are a lot of concepts that you could roll over to another dog and have it you know apply and help that dog it is not consistent from dog to dog yeah right okay so let's talk about this first one here okay so this first one this is a video we just posted i think yesterday right actually correct for it and i think we get way too hung up on individual pieces of body language or communication so they would look at the growling and they would say that is inherently bad but let's look at the entire picture of what we're seeing what we're seeing is a dog that is basically minding his own business right now he's uncomfortable around the other dogs he's not putting himself in harm's way but when the other dogs come close to him he gets uncomfortable He gives a warning sign that he's uncomfortable, and immediately post-warning sign, he turns around and runs the opposite direction. That picture is exactly what we want him to do when he's uncomfortable. Forget the growl. He's avoiding conflict. He's making it known I'm uncomfortable, and he is doing everything in his power to avoid conflict. There's nothing to correct here. And in actuality, a lot of people would look at this as bad. And I look at this as a beautiful starting place that we're working with because he's not seeking problems. Right? Yeah. Okay. So. <laughs> So individual pieces that apply to one specific dog. right? So naturally, the comments we start getting on stuff like this is, well, of course we would never correct for growling. We would never correct for growling because if you correct for growling, it'll cause dogs to lead right to – right to biting and this and that, blah, 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 right? So so again, just like I said how some people from one side of the equation who say correct for growling get too hung up on the growl itself and say it's a growl, it's bad, we have to correct for it. Mm -hmm. Now we have the other side coming in and doing the exact same thing. Of "Of course, it's a growl we would never correct for it, right? But what I'm trying to get across here is with the individual dog you're working with, The individual dog you're working with, Mm -hmm. don't just look at one piece of what they're doing. Look at all of the pieces of what they're doing, Yeah, right? And in this dog's case, we had him out in a social, and again, he was avoiding the other dogs because he was uncomfortable with them. And the dogs, if they would try to approach him, he would growl and run away. He would growl and run away. He would growl and run away, to which I said, there's nothing wrong with that. In the total context of what he's doing, he's communicating something saying I'm uncomfortable. Some dogs communicate that by growling, some dogs communicate that by tensing up, others communicate that by kind of showing a little teeth, right? Mm-hmm. There's many different ways that a dog might communicate when they're uncomfortable with something. But then his response post, so basically you have a dog that's going to show in some way that they're uncomfortable mm-hmm. or that they're excited or whatever it may be. Yeah. And then they're going to do something with that, right? Yeah. So there's the the visual display of being uncomfortable. And then there's the mm-hmm. action in which the dog does when they're uncomfortable, mm-hmm. right? Fight, flight, freeze, right? Yep. Those are the three things that a dog might do when being put in a position where they're uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. In this dog's case, he chooses flight. I've got zero fucking problem with that. Yeah. It's exactly what you want your dog to do. Yeah, for sure. Other dogs might freeze, right? They might growl and they might freeze up, and tense up and stay there. But then we have to look at, is that inherently a problem? Not necessarily. But what does he do when he freezes and then the pressure builds up even more? At some point, he's not going to continue to freeze. At some point, he's going to then choose fight or flight. Yeah. Right? For sure. To further assess the individual dog we're working with and determine what does he do then? Yeah. Right? Yep. So it's interesting because like, all of these things go to show, like, it really is a matter of you have to be able to diagnose the individual situation that you're working with. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <clears throat> so, so that's video number one, you know. And then again, you know, comments like we had somebody else comment that said, here, what did they say? I just saw this one today. On the same video, they said, what about a dog growling in general? It's like, well, what do you mean, growling in general? Mm Mm hmm. You know, like, like, like dogs don't just growl to growl. Yeah. Right. Like, (laughs) like, like, so what I would need to know all of the details of the context in which the dog is growling. Right. Because some people look at it, they're like, well, he's just growling. It came out of nowhere. Right. He's not doing it for any reason. But it's like, well, I bet you if we were to zoom back a little bit and assess everything everything going on in that scenario, we probably can determine a reason for why the dog is actively growling then in that situation. For sure. Right? Yeah. Then you get to like, okay, cool. Well, let's say the dog doesn't freeze. They don't flee. They fight, right? The dog goes into a situation, they growl, and then if the pressure builds up any more, then they attack, right? Or they snap, or mm-hmm. they, they do something like that, Yeah. to which we would have to then come up with a different plan in order to work through that, mm-hmm. right? And then we would have to determine, is it a snap with commitment, right? Are they actually trying to injure the other dog, right? Are they actively pursuing and going for the dog? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. there's, there's just so many little pieces to the equation when it comes to this kind of stuff. And again the point i want to get across to everybody is none of these things you see online apply to every single dog mm-hmm. they're different things to, to to entertain and educate on reasons why a dog might do a certain thing or reasons why a thing might be okay or not okay or yeah. scary or not scary but they're not universal rules that apply to every single dog mm-hmm. right another video i got i had somebody send me this today this is a client of ours um, they sent me some video. It's The video is by A Good Feeling Incorporated, which looks like it's probably a dog training company. Okay. And they just said, do you agree with this assessment? I feel like this is how my dog plays. He likes to use his paws and arms a lot, and he's vocal. But I never thought about it this way. I realize Instagram has all kinds of videos and opinions. Maybe a conversation for your podcast on this one, if you haven't covered it before, how to tell play versus done playing. And the video is... Tell the
1: other dog to stop playing. She jumps up, she snarls, she uses her arm to push her down to slow the pace down and then she offers a shake off. This is an example of one dog telling the other dog it is done playing.
0: Okay so just a, just a short little clip of in this case if I were to look at this video I wouldn't necessarily disagree with what this trainer is saying in it. Mm -hmm. You know, the body language of the one dog, it seems like it's kind of just chilling. It's not attempting to interact with the other dog at all. The other dog's pushing it. And then it does a quick and sudden burst of arousal towards the other dog, right? Mm -hmm. Or, or an intense display of, of dominance towards the other dog to get the other dog to back off and then disengages again. Right? Yeah. So, so sure. In this case, I would say that that probably is this dog communicating that it doesn't want to play anymore, right? Mm-hmm. But what do we do with that information? Mm. That's the question, yeah. right? This person looked at it and they said, "This is how my dog plays. He plays with his paws and arms a lot, and he's vocal, right? Mm-hmm. You know." So, so because she saw this video, I'm assuming, and she can correct me if I'm wrong. Obviously, yeah. I'm assuming she's looking at it like well, wait a minute, maybe my dog doesn't like to play as much as I think that he likes to play and that oh. when he does these types of things, it's showing he's uncomfortable and maybe I need to stop the play or maybe I need to not put him in these situations because I don't yeah. want to make him uncomfortable and stress him out and, and blah, 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 You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It could get you overthinking about the things you do. For sure. But with this particular dog we're referencing... One, it's a German Shepherd. German Shepherds are notoriously very vocal dogs, right? They play, they growl, they grumble. They can be really teethy, right? They open their mouth and the teeth are always showing and Mm. it looks snarly. They can be very pawsy. They like to jump and bounce and and, and get on top of dogs and stuff like that. But given the entire context of how that dog plays, he's also generally seeking out the play in many cases, right? Mm -hmm. Or he's reciprocating the play when another dog goes to do that and it turns into a whole kind of, you know, frenzy of them playing with each other and stuff. Yeah. So it's a totally different situation. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's the issue with getting back to different videos that you might watch online Mm -hmm. and needing to understand your particular dog and apply it to your particular case. None of these rules are hard and fast rules, Mm -hmm. right? The other thing, too, I always tell everybody, I think I, I replied, I said, you know, Maybe, but you got to be really careful with videos on Instagram, especially socialization ones. The same body language and behavior from one dog to another can mean the polar opposite thing with another dog. Mm -hmm. German Shepherds in general are very handsy, vocal, teethy dogs. That's basically their default. It has nothing to do with stop playing in most cases with them. It's just how they play. When you tack that onto the idea that play is, in general, is a display of dominance back and forth, you realize it's all pretty normal. Right. So the jumping on top and the controlling, I think she said in one of these things the dog was jumping on top of the other dog to try to slow it down. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes, in that particular case, it very well could have been without yeah. knowing all of the context of both of those dogs and what happened before or mm. after that individual clip. Yeah. It very well could have been the dog was putting a big display of dominance on to try to get the other dog to realize, whoa, I should probably back off a little bit. This dog's a little bit tougher than I am, or, That's true. or, or whatever yeah. it may be. Right. Um, but in general, most of the time when dogs are playing with each other, play I always say is is a, a, a competition back and forth amongst each other, trying to figure out kind of who's more dominant than the yeah. other on a varying spectrum, mm-hmm. right? And dogs are going to do that while they're playing in general to try to assert themselves oh, over yeah. each other. And a lot of times when you see you know a good play session going on, you'll see it kind of go back and forth where mm-hmm. one dog acts like the dominant <clears throat> one and, and pushes and the other one's kind of submitting to it a little bit. Then it'll reverse a little bit. Then it'll reverse a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, depending on, again, the two dogs that you're socializing with each other. Yeah. Um, But it's not a hard and fast rule that I would think too much into past, just like, oh, yeah, maybe for that case, that kind of applies, right? Yeah. Or the case of the dog that I was working with in that first video kind of applies, Mm -hmm. right? You got to assess the whole picture. Oh, yeah.
1: So let me find the other video here. (laughs) Yeah, no, I I agree with that. I mean, you can't. You know, in a thirty-second clip, you have to take everything with a grain of salt. You know, mm-hmm. like yeah, it it might be a good application to think about, but yeah, you can't just mm-hmm.
0: blanket statement it over your own situation.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, there's just like so many, right? So mm-hmm. this is this is another interesting one here, right? He did fine from the standpoint of he didn't react, he didn't break position, he didn't try to engage or anything. But if you watch his body language, he definitely was unsure. And that was in the form of he was definitely starting to look a lot. And you'll notice his tail went from before it was like down, not tucked, but like just in a a calmer, more neutral position, to it went straight up. Now, we don't get super crazy with body language and you have to know all the ins and outs of it. But anytime I notice a direct change in body language when passing other dogs, it's always a sign that you're not quite done yet so a lot of people will look at that and they'd be like boom leash reactivity is gone you're good there's no types of issues or anything like that that you have to be concerned about anymore but what i saw was i saw a dog that was really trying to keep his cool together but wanted to still react in his mind and you'll actually notice that tail carriage stayed high post dog until right there when he finally committed to making the mistake he got a correction for it tail carriage is back down to a neutral position now at this point and getting back to you're not totally out of the woods yet just because the dog physically did not react yet we want to see him get into an emotional state of mind where when passing other dogs we don't see big spikes in arousal or interest or engagement or any of those types of things and they stay consistent and don't even see that dog as a threat then at that point so that lets me know that one place we need to work on is passing other dogs Okay, so another interesting clip of getting hung up on one piece of the puzzle, right? So a lot of people with reactivity, that would be perfect for them. They'd be like, Mm -hmm. hell yeah, this dog went from being reactive to now he's passing other dogs and he's not exploding, right? Yep. It's great. It's progress, right? Yeah. It's a ton of progress. We're starting to see a suppression in the behavior. Obviously, we're starting to see them actively make choices. And like I said in the clip, trying his hardest to keep himself under control around that dog. But the problem is when we're dealing with emotionally charged behavior. So in this case, dog reactivity. I, and by the way, this is the same dog from the other clip, the socialization clip. That whole mm-hmm. thing, you could watch that vlog. It was from maybe two or three vlogs ago. Mm. It was from that dog came in for a one-week reboot board and train okay um and that was day one he just got dropped off let's assess overall oh, where the okay. issues are you know yeah. what i mean <clears throat> so um you know again he did he did well but emotionally you could tell he wasn't past the issue yet right mm-hmm. and this is where again drawing from both sides force-free community says a lot you know you need to focus on the emotional state of the dog why the dog is doing the things, et cetera, et cetera. They're absolutely correct, right? Mm -hmm. So the suppression can be very important for helping get things to a manageable place like that. But now what we need is we need more repetitions of him passing other dogs so that we don't see any change in his behavior as we go by, right? I want Mm -hmm. him to pass other dogs and not think, oh my God, I really (laughs) need to keep myself under control right now because I used to react in these situations and I know I'm not allowed to anymore, but blah, blah, blah. I need Mm -hmm. to see him go from, all right, I'm walking, walking, walking. Okay, there's the dog there. I gotta keep myself under control. Too. I'm walking, walking, walking. Yep, there's a the dog there. I'm still just walking, walking, walking. Yeah. Right. hmm And if you get too hung up on one piece of the puzzle, which is just the explosion, you'll miss the rest of the work that you need to do, which is yeah. then is the dog emotionally in a good state of mind where we're not seeing a difference in their overall body language or if they become uncomfortable or not from when we're just casually cruising versus when we're passing other dogs, Mm -hmm. right? That's where the magic happens is by focusing on that entire picture of things, Yeah. And let's keep going down here. And, and these are all clips, again, getting back to, like, the vlog. Like, the vlog is fantastic for providing clips like this, yeah. right? I just want we we want to highlight more of the actual training still as well. You oh, know? for sure. All right.
1: Yeah, make sure you send me all these, all right? Oh, Jesus. Yeah, I'll try. I'll try. <laughs> or at least I have remember, to remember which ones remember are. Remember which
0: ones. <laughs> all right. So let's uh, – we'll just kind of keep working down these. Let's look at this one next. These aren't the, – I, I I was just going to do two, but now it's like – I'm looking at all these videos. I was like, these are going to make good talking points. <laughs> it's like we're going through the, the, the highlights of, of the IG. Yeah. Further context to the shorts. That's actually not a bad idea. To, to to start looking at the shorts and providing further context to those shorts. Yeah. What we're talking about. Right? Let's look at this one. So this is from a lesson I did. Um, again, all these are in the vlog. You can see the whole video. Nice to see sometimes. So this is from a video I did. We had this dog, Sora, that did a board and train with us a while ago. Crushed it, did great, whatever. She's still been doing well. Uh, The guy has been for the last couple of years in like a long-distance relationship with his girlfriend. Mm. And um, she just moved to Cleveland, right? So they're moving in together. And uh, she's met Sora, obviously. um, But she has a dog that Sora's not met before. And now Uh we're going from, you know living in a house, just him and the dog, total bachelor status, whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. to now there's going to be another person living in the house and another dog living Mm -hmm. in the house, which is like big, big adjustment. And they did the 100% right thing, which is, yo, this is about to happen. What should I do to make sure this goes (laughs) well? Instead of just like, ah, it'll be fine. Yeah. Right. So um, so we'll watch this video. This was, we were just kind of breaking down all of the things to keep in mind with all these changes going on to make mm-hmm. sure we, we avoid problems, right? So this one, I think they titled like giving affection in multi-dog households. Least looked at one by most owners is affection. One of the number one places we'll see dog fights happen when we're sharing affection in the form of a resource. Other dog tries to butt in, boom, guarding that resource no different than they would a toy. I set rules in the house. If I want to pet him, Hi, buddy. Like, let's say I was petting him, hanging out with him, and Sora were to come over and try to butt in, I would correct her for that. If I'm petting Sora, Sora, come here. Hi. And if he were to try to butt in, right, no. No. I'm going to make sure that I'm sharing that, hey, you don't have to worry about that right now. I've got this under control. Really, where that gets more important is in the mindless place. That was huge right there. So the video actually shows it firsthand, right? So Sora was very respectful while I was petting the other dog. She's the one that actually did the training, obviously. But the second I called Sora over me to pet, I'm petting her, and that dog is like a little dachshund, was jumping all over me like, no, mm. you're supposed to still be petting me. You're supposed to still be petting me. Yeah. Very controlling behavior, very much showing that dog feels like he is in charge of the resources and where and when they're given out. And that is mm. something that will pose massive, massive problems. Now, that dog's had no training before. How did I address it? Everything we came over to, me, I told him no, poked him. No, (laughs) poked him. Right? Get away from me. You can't have this attention right now. Right? Forget your training tools. Forget your e-collars, your leashes, all that kind of stuff. Right? If you just have the right mindset. Of I'm just not gonna let this dog do this right now. You don't need all of the tools. Now the tools can help. Don't get me wrong. If you got them, it's great. It makes things easier. But just having the mindset of like these are the boundaries I'm setting. These are mm-hmm. I'm just enforcing them overall in general. You can avoid so many problems from that. And yeah. that is one of the biggest places that I see dog fights break out in multi-dog households is situations of sharing affection and all the dogs feeling like it's theirs all at once. Mm. All right, let's see if we can get to this next one. how deep are you right now I can't Uh, even find that one not super super far okay here this is the big one this is the one that i wanted to play okay okay so there's this dog louis that we have done two sessions with he did a full board and train with another trainer didn't really get that much follow-up support Whatever okay. you know have a, having some reactivity issues, having some issues in the house, stuff like that mm-hmm. right So we went in, helped him out a little bit. things are going really well. I actually just got a text from him yesterday uh, with some with some, uh, some some good good updates. All right. So this video we made, I was in the house and unfortunately because Louie had a couple of biting incidents in the past, they never let him out around people. Like, they would, mm. people would come over, they'd put him away, and it's great, and that's just what they did, right? Yeah. So we wanted to start to open his world up a little bit more. You know, mm. management is essential. Obviously, avoiding problems is essential, you know, for making yeah. sure we're not making them worse. But if we want things to get better, we have to start showing the dog a little bit of a new way, mm. right? Now, a lot of times when we're starting to take a dog who, say, has aggression issues towards dogs, has aggression issues towards people, whatever it may be, it could be really easy to just throw them into situations and just not think anything of them and be like, we just need to put them in this scenario now. And without giving any sort of direction, without having a degree of management still in place, you can make things worse by putting them in a lot of uncomfortable positions and not setting them up for success, Mm -hmm. right? So we have over the years come up with, you know, what I refer to as like a, a system of how we let get how we socialize our dog with new people who maybe in the past has been uncomfortable around mm-hmm. new people and what sort of boundaries we set for both the dog as well as the humans coming over. Right. Mm-hmm. And what this does is this almost totally ensures if you follow these to a T, that you're never going to put the dog in a position where you push them over threshold and cause them to have any sort of big major reaction that's gonna set them back a lot mm. right So we posted this video and again this one really kind of this it got like a quarter million views on Instagram a um, bunch of comments and stuff on it and it's about the least controversial opinion i feel like you could possibly have yeah and naturally a lot of people (laughs) had a problem with it so we're going to watch a video first we're going to talk about it we're going to discuss some of the points of view that people had on things all right i guess that come over you're allowed to interact with my dog under one rule we have to essentially ask for a degree of consent out of the dog with it as opposed to just i'm coming to pet you right now because that's where a lot of bad things tend to happen and your rules you're you're going to try to call him over to you you're really informal about it we're not giving like a formal command or anything like that and if he comes over heck yeah you can interact with him play with him do whatever it is you want to do if he doesn't if he kind of looks at you and says eh, i'm uncomfortable with this right now still gotta respect that so we're not putting him in a position where he's gonna to need to react to defend himself because we're kind of giving him an option with it louis here bud And obviously, while I'm doing it initially, I'm going to try to avoid, like, hard eye contact or things like that. And I'm also not going to notice right there I pet him, but I didn't try to, like, hold him with me or anything like that. If he wants to move away, totally fine. The other side of things, then, is going to be you want to keep these interactions short and sweet. So realistically, let's say for the next month or two, as you start doing some of these interactions, you don't do this for 30 minutes, 45 minutes, then put him in the crate. Just let him chill. I'll go ahead and try to call him over to you and just kind of hang out with him for a minute. Nice and very good body language. I mean, you know, he seems comfortable right now, which is good. Shaking. Yeah, really good job, buddy. Good, we saw all my guests that come Okay, so the rule for interacting with a dog that has a history of fear aggression issues first and foremost, we have to put the caveat in I'm not talking about every single freaking dog now. Do I think it's a good idea if you're around a dog that you don't know to make sure the dog actually wants to be interacted with before you just barge in and interact with them? abso fucking (laughs) right? Do I think it's a good idea to always call a dog over to you as opposed to go and invade their space when they're maybe snoozing on the couch? If it's a dog that you don't know, Absolutely, fucking (laughs) right? Like, I think those things are kind of common sense. But the caveat is I'm not talking about how you as the owner should be interacting with your dog. Mm -hmm. I'm not talking about the person that knows your dog to the moon and back and has been with them since they're a puppy and it's your dog's favorite person in the world and blah, blah, blah that you have to go have this conversation with them every time they're coming over, right? Yeah. I'm talking about a dog that for the last couple of years has not interacted with anybody new outside of the immediate family. Mm. Yes, those are going to be very, very key essential rules to set with your guests if you plan on having your dog out to interact with those guests to make sure he moves in the right direction. And the key was because if you do it properly, if you're dealing with a dog that has fear aggression issues... If I call them over to me to pet them, generally speaking, a fear-aggressive dog is not going to come over if they're uncomfortable with you, Yeah. right? So if they don't come over and we take that as a sign of they're not interested in being pet right now, maybe I should just not pet them, what's going to happen is you're never going to put the dog in a position where they feel like they need to set those boundaries on their own, Mm -hmm. further making sure that we're stacking the wins and only having positive associations with people. Yeah. Right. It's so important. And I don't understand how, you know, making your guests ask for a degree of consent out of your dog before you interact with them is a controversial opinion. But naturally, the um, the the comment section disagrees. Right. So so (laughs) Mm -hmm. one of them Uh, or just get a size of dog you can control. And that's it. Well that doesn't apply to this cuz we're not talking about controlling the dog. We can control the dog perfectly fine. I can make yeah. the dog down and sit and calm and physically make sure that they stay under control to me. Yeah. But physical control of the dog has nothing to do with the dog emotionally interacting with no. new people, right? Mm-hmm. Um next one. Muzzle and shock collar and a crate. No wonder your dog might be unhappy in your house there's training then there's abuse it's a fine line i hope you find it someday okay well you (laughs) you picked literally the video talking about asking a dog for consent to pull the abuse card (laughs) like like, let's let's take a step back here for a minute you know (laughs) like like, literally it's the least controversial thing possible people will naturally find it though right Um, next one dog training account and buddy can't even train a dog to the point where he doesn't need a muzzle and shock collar, um, (laughs) says the guy who promotes muzzles constantly.
1: Oh, my God. Again,
0: and I love the little short snarky replies back. I said promotes a tool that allows owners to put their dog in situations that previously caused them to be aggressive that they previously avoided because of the risk of someone getting hurt. You're damn right. We do. (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) Jesus. <laughs> this gets back to me. I think Michelle made a post or, or something sometime talking about how people like to like talk shit on muzzles and be like, oh, muzzles are so yeah. bad. It's it's similar to the thing that, that that guy made the video about saying, oh, the e-collar. Everybody likes to have the e-collar on all the time. It's like, yeah. guys, guys, the muzzle allows you to safely progress your dog further and further and further. The e-collar yeah. allows you to safely put your dog in situations and have the peace of mind of being able to, to know you could still gain control mm-hmm. over them. Like these should not be controversial things. Yeah. You know, really the, it.
1: this is just really quick it is making me think of the rock. Uh, had a, had a good thing to say about commenters like this. Oh yeah. Where it's like, he's like, you go to their thing and it's like, They got, like, one post, or they have, like, maybe, like, a hundred followers, you know? It's, like, people that don't have anything better to do in their lives. Like, that person, like, has, like, seven pictures of bongs, and that's it. You know? It's, (laughs) like,
0: what are you telling me, you, about, like, dog training for, like? (laughs) Oh, man. comments are so ridiculous sometimes. Just... (laughs) Well, this exactly. this was an interesting one that somebody posted that was not a, a hate one. They said, and this is fucking key, man. They said, one time I was at a festival and asked to pet someone's dog. They said yes, but the dog was super uncomfortable and trying to get away. They kept insisting it was fine to pet him. Consent with dogs is really important, not just the owner. Okay, here's an example I saw literally maybe two months ago, right? We were at... Um, we were at the county fairgrounds Oktoberfest, right? Mm. And we're chilling and Oktoberfest is known for their fucking wiener dog races, right? <laughs> it's a thing, man. You want to talk about the most dachshunds you've ever seen in your life? Go to your <laughs> local fucking Oktoberfest and watch the wiener dog races. It's okay. hilarious. All right. <laughs> whatever. So, so I'm in line. I'm in like the beer line or whatever. And I, I look to the line next to me and somebody has like a, a little dachshund that clearly did not want to be there. And yeah. This dog was just stressed out of its fucking mind, hmm. right? Whatever, you know, you want to take your dog, you take your dog. I'm not I'm not here to say yes or no, right? I don't know all the context of that dog, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Right? But um somebody came up to them and said, "Hey, can I pet your dog?" Right? To which, of course, they said, absolutely you can. You can pet our dog. Because a lot of times when you take your dog to events like that, the dog is kind of just an accessory to you. Yeah. You know, it's the thing. I got my dachshund. No different than I got my <laughs> Chanel purse. Uh, you know? Yeah, <clears throat> yeah So right. So, So, um, person went to go pet him. And this person kind of crouched down. This was like a mini dachshund. Went to go reach out to the dog. And the dog did exactly what you would want it to do, which was tense. Talk about Freeze then turned and booked it the opposite way to the end of the leash, right? Yeah. Great. I would think 99% of logical human beings would be like, well... He doesn't really want it. He doesn't really want me to pet him right now. Yeah. Right? So what did the owner do? The owner picked up the dog after it just ran away from this person, basically dragged it all the way back in front of this person. That person then went, oh, now I can pet you because you can't get away from me, right? Flight's not an option. Guess what the option is? Fight. Like, Dude, this dog lit the fuck up on this person after that. Yeah. <laughs> person went to go pet it again. And and dude, you want to talk about a scary sound? Yeah. <laughs> <He's> talking, <laughs> 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 their mouth's open like this yeah. fucking big. You know? <laughs> right? Like, I don't know if the person got bit or not, but they were like, whoa, and, like jumped back yeah. and stuff. And it's like, I look at a scenario like that, and I'm just like, where is the common sense? Yeah. Where's the common sense there? Yeah. I'm sure she was like, he's never done that before. <laughs> he's never done it before. <laughs> right. Like, so the point of these posts is just to get you guys. Listen, again, getting back to the first thing that we said in this damn, this damn fucking podcast, right? I said, these posts don't apply to everybody. They don't. Listen, you know, mm-hmm. like I uh, yes, do I think it's good rules to apply across the board? Sure. Yeah. Right individual context of situations matter. And if you just take them and you just become aware of some of these things, if you're socializing your dog and they're growling, but then doing the proper thing and running away, right? There's nothing wrong with that, like I said in the first thing, right? Yep. If the whole picture looks like that, right? Uh, the other one of the other person's video, if your dog is calmly minding its own business and dog keeps pestering them and then they put this big display of dominance on, Maybe, yeah, maybe at that point they're trying to get the other dog to, to, to back away, right? Yeah. Um, maybe if you're walking your reactive dog and they're doing well, but every time you pass another dog, they still get really, really noticeably tense and uncomfortable. Maybe you're not totally out of the woods yet and you want to put a little bit more emphasis into working on the emotional state of the dog than at that point, right? Mm -hmm. maybe if you're socializing yourself with a dog that you don't know and the dog is clearly uncomfortable right you could test it by trying to call them over to you and if they don't come over to you don't fucking pet them in that situation Mm -hmm. right it's all intended to get you pieces of the puzzle to help progress you and move you along through your life of dog ownership Yep. That's what this is all about, right? Yep. And this is actually kind of cool like going through all these videos like this and showing firsthand that like how all of these things can apply with new things, right? This is this is one other one, this is that same situation. Let's see what this is. when it's just the immediate family who he's good with you don't have to overthink that stuff obviously make sure he's not dictating every interaction like he's the one coming over like butt in your head or his head in your yeah. hand and stuff like that try to make sure that's not happening <laughs> but outside of that just hang out with him enjoy him it's more important when you have new people over the house that we're being very very controlled about the interactions at that point point. and generally speaking like if i have guests come over the house and my dogs are out I'm not interacting with my dogs a whole lot. If the guests want to, they can. If they follow that rule, like I said, if they gotta call him over, if he comes over, great. If he doesn't, you gotta leave him alone. But I'm just kind of supervising, you know. Another piece of the puzzle where I clarified, yo, listen, you interacting with your dog, you don't need to overthink this stuff. Yeah, right. I'm not going to let my dog dictate every interaction I have with them. If they don't want to come over to me in a situation and I need them to come over to me, I'm going to make them come over to me in that situation. I am going to make sure I'm still in control of all of these things, right? Uh, And then there's one more piece of the puzzle that applies to that exact situation, which is when we're doing this interaction with other people, you yourself don't interact with your dog. Now, why is that important? That situation is important because if you're constantly interacting with your dog through all of this, one, maybe your dog's uncomfortable with all the new people, but really comfortable with you, and because he's going to get the attention from you, he feels no no need to seek out the uh, the the, yeah. the engagement elsewhere, and you can hinder <clears throat> yeah. their progress that way. And two, the biggest reason. If you're putting your dog in these situations, right, and you're constantly interacting with them and trying to be all buddy-buddy with your dog, you're going to miss all the signs your dog might give you Mm -hmm. that they're comfortable or not uncomfortable with things. So you want to play lifeguard. The lifeguard at the pool is not swimming with all of the people because if they're busy swimming and being distracted doing other things, they're going to miss important signs they need to see. Yeah if you are socializing your dog with other dogs, but you're also trying to be a part of the socialization, you're going to miss the signs that they might be giving. That's a, I've never I've never said that that way before. Yeah. I always talk about being yes. a lifeguard in that situation. Yeah. But what does a lifeguard do? They sit in their fucking chair and they watch what's happening. They're yeah. not a part of what's going on. Yeah. Right. You're going to have to keep that one. Boom.
1: Yeah. Keeping <laughs> it in the head.
0: Well, that's what we got today. Look at that. I that even pulled easy. this book out because I was like, damn, are we going to have enough to talk about today? Yeah. And I pull up another chapter on this I was going to go through. We had and enough. And guess what? We had a fuck enough. We had enough. So that was cool. I like that.
1: See these. There we go.
0: What do you think?
1: I love it. I think at the end of the day, like you said, good context come out of reels mm-hmm. and clips. Should you take everything to heart in your own situation? Well, you got to think about, you just saw a glimpse of that dog's life. You
0: saw 60 seconds of, you know, in some cases, like with our one-on-one program, 60 seconds of 10 hours of time with a client. You know what I yeah, mean? exactly. Like, you, you have to keep that in mind when you're watching this kind of stuff, mm-hmm. right? And again, you could take concepts and you could take pieces and you could think about them. I think it's great to watch these videos and, like, the client sent me that video and, like, think about it a little bit. Mm-hmm. But you can't ever look at those things and think that is the absolute truth all the time for that situation. Yeah. Right? Because <clears throat> it's not always the case.
1: Yeah. You know, I think, you know, someone, like, like uh, you know, like Caesar's shows and stuff like, you mm-hmm. know, everyone thinks, oh, well, he, he goes in and does the same approach with every dog. But it's yeah. like he has to, like, condense everything into an hour show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm I can guarantee you every time he goes to a different dog, it's not the same thing.
0: Yeah, and knowing where and when to do that same thing also is a big key. Yeah. Right? So, like, let's look at, like, any type of trainer out there. Like, you could look at, if you watched a a solely force-free trainer train, you would think, oh, God, they just click and reward for every single dog. It's like, (laughs) well yes, but (laughs) the understanding of where to click and reward with every dog is going to be totally different, Yeah, right? Like a a dog or a, a trainer that's using corrections to stop things. They would think, oh, you just correct every dog you see. It's like, well, yes, but understanding what, where, and how to correct yeah. every dog we see is going to be completely different, right? Yeah. So you have to look at the whole picture. It's not about the moment, the correction, the reward, right? Yeah. It's about understanding the whole picture of what the dog's displaying and using and leveraging those techniques with every dog. Because, listen, consequences and rewards are the solution to everything. Yeah, You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, consequences and rewards are are going to be how we shape behavior with every single dog. And if you did a case study of 100 different dogs, we're going to be using the same concepts with all of those dogs. But the bigger picture is then understanding, in addition to the consequences and rewards to shape the behaviors that we want, where and when we use them, what we stop doing with the dog in order to help feel you know get a, a better picture of what we're looking at and stuff mm-hmm. like all of that the stuff that's unseen the stuff that we just kinda do mm-hmm. that's the stuff that people aren't seeing because they don't understand. Yeah, exactly. So so that's what we got. Cool. Love it. Yeah. So <laughs> hope you guys like it. If you have any questions, do you guys have any reels we post that you want us to dig into a little bit more? Yeah. Let us send them, and we'll talk about them. We'll provide further context. Uh, next week, we got another guest coming in, so it'll be a nice little guest chat. And uh, then we got Thanksgiving coming up. we got the mm-hmm. holidays starting. The holidays. So until next time, yeah. this was like, episode 140.
1: I guess technically we should say happy Thanksgiving because the other Oh, so the ones... next one won't come out until so after, after Thanksgiving. Yeah, happy so Thanksgiving, everyone. Anyway. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving. Yeah. <laughs> Eat a lot of food. All right, guys.